गुड इवनिंग ज्योति गुड इवनिंग सर या वी विल जस्ट अ स्मॉल इंट्रोडक्शन टू पीपल हु आर नॉट फैमिलियर विद द मीटिंग प्रोटोकॉल्स द मीटिंग विल लास्ट 75 मिनट्स टिल अप्रोक्सीमेटली 11:15 यू कैन सी ऑन द टॉप ऑफ द स्क्रीन द स्पीकर्स पैनल and below that you can see all the listeners listed by their handles this is not a speech this is an interactive session each of you can ask the key speaker anything you wish about his domain if you wish to speak please tap the hand button at the bottom of the screen which will indicate that you are interested in speaking once you tap that button one of the moderators will bring you up to the speaker's panel please be patient to wait if there are too many people wanting to speak you may have to wait a while once you come into the speaker's panel please remember to mute yourself to avoid any of the surrounding noises from coming into the room thank you again for all being here we have with us a very very special guest and friend rajiv kumar needs no introduction rajiv welcome namaskar happy to see you thank you sir thank you very much for inviting me on on this session it's actually completely my honor to be part we, of this we are all privileged uh, rajiv it's wonderful to have a great friend like you here uh, in this room where we can talk to you about your passions we all have shared passions but some of us excel in certain things more than the others rajiv and i our friendship goes back more than 15 years both of us came to know each other through that one and only venerable automobile forum bcm touring which was run by the doyen yogesh sarkar who most of us uh, draw inspiration from for his passion for traveling and especially his photography uh, so from there we have uh, known each other we first met in 2009 and like all motorists do we met in a workshop in le when raji was on a driving trip to ladakh with his friend rohit mehtadatta and i was also on a driving trip to ladakh with seven other mahindra cars so we met in the workshop and uh, from there i think we have continuously kept in touch at that time i remember rajiv was a typical 9 to 5 guy if i'm not mistaken he worked <laughs> yeah, in the it right. yeah i think he worked in the it industry and he had all the problems which all of us have we had uh, jobs to uh, i mean jobs to earn money bosses to please and wives to wives and families to take care of so all of us you know at also at the same time we all had aspirations and dreams so whenever anybody complains that he doesn't get enough leave or he's not able to go on holidays like what he dreams please look at rajiv and uh, draw some inspiration from him i'm sure he will tell us more about how we managed both the conflicting things one a career as well as a passion so let us also hear from him on that as we go on and rajiv sometime i think a few years ago he decided to pursue his passion for travel and photography full time and uh, particularly his uh, passion for himalayan 
adventures uh, drove him there, I suppose. And yeah. uh, he has been uh, virtually is now we can consider him a Himalayan specialist, particularly the Himalayas of North India, the Kashmir, Ladakh, and the Uttarakhand, Himachal Uttarakhand parts, where he has been going around a lot. Uh, I mean, he even uh, took up managing uh, some homestays and hotels in, in the Ladakh region, Ladakh and Spiti region. And uh, most importantly, uh, he started that page of his called Hello Peaks, which is truly incredible collection of photographs and photographic essays, photo essays, as you may call it. So, I mean, I, I don't need to introduce you more than this. A lot of us in this room know about him, have interacted with him in various forums and platforms. So again, it's my deep pleasure to welcome Rajiv. And Rajiv, please do tell us something about what I said and what you think about uh, uh, what you have been doing all these years. And then we will take it from there. Thank you. Um, thank you very much, Chief. That was a wonderful introduction. Trust, it was one of the best introductions I ever <laughs> received. So yeah, thanks about it. Um, um, as uh, and then uh, hello everybody. It's a, it's wonderful to see so many people uh, in the group. Uh, it's very it's very motivating to see so many people joining this group uh, for this wonderful discussion on photography, which is one of my uh, most favorite topic. Uh, I'll take quickly few seconds to you know introduce myself. Um, Kumar sir has already uh, you know given a brief of what I am doing these days. Basically. Um, Yes, I I was I started my photography because of traveling, and as Kumar sir said, our traveling started from a forum called BCMT, from where we used to get inspired for our next trip. Every time when somebody used to post a travelogue, that used to become our dream to go to that particular place, and then slowly from the traveling part, the photography part, you know, came in. Uh, in terms of profession I would say I'm very lucky to be uh, part of the IT world because that particular world uh, you know allowed me to travel all over the world so I because of my IT career I traveled almost almost half of the countries in the world and uh, that again gave me an opportunity to pick up the camera and whenever there's a time in between the projects and you know assignments to go out to places, so I've traveled to places like Japan for a very long time. I've lived there. I've lived in Netherlands. I've lived in US for a long time. So yeah, I mean, uh, while the the IT profession was uh, a little bit of interest on my dream, but it was also a, a booster for me to you know start my own stuff. So yes, couple of years back, I decided this is enough. I need to you know take my passion full time, and uh, I picked up bit of uh, you know traveling and a bit of photography and the journey is still very fresh this journey is still very new uh, and I, I hope it will be a wonderful journey in future now uh, getting back to the topic as Kumar sir said I think it will be it will be good if we keep this as a more of a discussion than a speech I have a lot of things to you know talk about uh, the travel photography in fact that I listed few of things because I knew if I start talking it will become an endless uh, you know, speech. So I decided I'll list down some of the things which I have in my mind, which will be more relevant to this forum. Uh, you know, so it, uh, what I'll do is I'll talk a bit about uh, my experiences 
on how I plan and prepare for my travel trips, what kind of gears I carry. And again, the gears can be very, very specific to each and everyone. But I will talk about what could be the basic gears that you can carry and start doing the travel photography or improve your travel photography. Uh, I'll talk about the genre of travel photography, uh, what kind of photography I prefer to do and probably what are the other options that you have if you are very keen to start doing the travel photography in future. Uh, there are some things which I always follow when I am driving, you know, uh, and doing uh, and traveling for a particular uh, photography trip. So I'll talk about that. Then there are seven or eight very, one of my favorite seven, eight, uh, few of my favorite seven, eight tips, which I think will, will surely help you uh, organize and achieve your targets uh, for your travel trips or travel photography. Uh, and then we'll talk a bit about how do you, you know, organize your photographs after your trip, which is one of the key tasks uh, at the end of the trip. So, so I think that should be pretty much the agenda. I will not go into the technicalities of the photography. We'll not talk about, talk about the ISO aperture and all other stuff because that will become more of a monotonous or boring stuff for some. So we'll, we'll, we'll talk more about how to do it right instead of, instead of you know, talking about the technicalities. Uh, I hope I have set the agenda uh, right for the group. Thanks, Rajiv. Yes, uh, people who want to also come on to the speakers panel also may raise their hands anytime. Thank you. Yeah, I think yeah, just raise a hand because I'll be I'll be grouping this discussion into some uh, bullet points and then we can always raise the hand and discuss about that bullet point. Okay, uh, um, let's talk about the planning and preparing. One of the most important aspects of any travel photography trip for me, it is very important. But when I'm planning a trip, I the most important part is picking up a location or a destination. Okay. Now, what's important here? The important part here is I generally don't don't choose multiple locations in a trip. For example, if I'm planning a trip to let's say Spiti, it will not be a 10-day trip to cover 10 different destinations. I know I'm going to shoot probably lakes, so my focus will be lakes. It will not be a hop-in, hop-out type of a you know, trip, it will be more of a limited locations. That's the most important part of the planning. Um, the second important thing about the planning is do a research online. I do it all the time. So I, I'll be honest with you, I am I'm now, you know, fantasizing about doing some tracks and I'm doing a lot of research about the tracks. There's a lot of material out there in the HPK forum, in some of the other YouTube material. Do the research and identify what could be the best things that you will like while you want to do photography. And of course, plan your route uh, and the stay in advance. Uh, actually, the HVK Forum is the best place to plan your routes and your locations and everything. Yes, in a, in a regular trip, this might be important, but you need to keep some level of uncertainty and promptness in your trip because I will talk about it. It's a very important point that your photography trips will all should always have some level of uncertainty and some level of planning that you should do on the go. So we'll talk about it. Um, that's the basic of planning. I'm not going to go in detail because I know this group is, there are a lot of experts in this group who are a very polished traveler. So, but from the photography perspective, these are the things which I 
you know, take care of that I do different from a regular trip when I'm doing a photography trip. Uh, like I'm planning a trip to Ladakh for photography purpose, and this time I'm not really doing a trip to a whole Ladakh because my focus is purely on the Kargil region. So all I'm doing now is just going to Kargil region, staying there for five to ten days, and just shooting around the area which is Tha Hanu Aryan Valley and some of the part of Suru Valley. So that's the way I plan. I just pick up part of the location and just stay there for a longer duration. So that so that I get to know the place and people more. Okay, um, about preparing myself for the trip. Very basic thing. What kind of gear or camera is suitable for a trip? I would say whichever you have in your hand is the best camera. I, by virtue of my association with photography for last fifteen years, have built a lot of gears. But I always started from a film camera. and that i still have that film camera which is one of the best camera to start with but then even your phone is the fantastic gear yes so but then the most important part is just just keep it ready just clean it up because i know a lot of guys who have failed in photography because they bought a gear which may not be functioning properly or it's not clean the lenses the sensors are not clean the lenses are have a fungus and then they come to the trip taking out the camera after a long time they realize it during the trip so yeah bring a gear clean the gear and and make sure that you use it couple of days in advance so that you know that it's working properly uh charging up the batteries clean up the hard disk is 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 a regular stuff which everybody does packing up enough food and clothes is important and i'm going to talk about why is it important uh, in the upcoming bullets but yes i i pack a lot of food Uh, during my travel photographs because uh, i am going i knew i know i'm going to miss my meals my regular meals while i'm doing photography so and we'll talk about it later as well um i then if you are doing night photography it's very important to carry a small light it could be your phone light a torch with a small diffuser which will help you in you know uh, lightening up some of the subjects while you doing the photography and last point of preparing for the travel photography trip is about preparing yourself that's what i do every time when i'm going out for the photography trip i start doing workout because travel photography trip involves a lot of long drives and walk so you need to walk a lot that's what the you know most important part a lot of people miss when they are into a travel photography Uh, uh, photography trip is that they generally keep themselves restricted to the vehicles and then end up getting pictures which is like everybody has clicked you need to walk get out of the car once you reach to a particular place you get out from the car walk into the villages probably do a trail walk and for that you need a fit body so besides preparing your car your camera your you know other gears it's important that you prepare yourself and start doing workout so i i generally do a regular workout now that i am getting into some tracking as well so i'm doing more workout before i really head head out for the track uh that's pretty much on the preparation part 
Anybody who thinks that uh, the point which you made last was the most uh, interesting of them all, you know, the fitness angle, I don't think too many people have thought on those lines that a photographer is not about standing in one place and kicking. It's about a lot of patience and walking around uh, at different times of the day uh, and trying to feel around the place just to get those correct dramatic pictures. I think that's fantastic. Uh, one, uh, One quick question from me. Since you mentioned that uh, a professional photographer like you uses mobile phones also, uh, what, what is your take on that? I mean, is, is, is a professional photographer should be looking that menacing with those big cameras, uh, gigantic lenses, or is a modern mobile camera itself reasonably good to get some of those shots? I ask this because many of us today stopped carrying along cameras. Most of us have become mobile photographers. Like once upon a time, I used to have a beautiful Canon EOS finder I used to lug around. I stopped. <laughs> now, whatever is there in the mobile is good enough. Thank you. Okay. Uh, I, I, I understand your question. Very great question, Chief. Um, uh, first, answer to the question about the, the, the you know capabilities of mobile. I would say the current set of mobiles in the market are very, very capable camera in, in taking pictures and videos. I know a lot of, you know, YouTube uh, vloggers who do, you know, video captures straight from the uh, camera, uh, from the mobile phone. So yes, mobile phones are very, very, you know, efficient in terms of capturing a high quality pictures and videos. Now, it depends on what's your final, you know, who is your final user? Now, if you are into photography and about to sell your photography to probably third party who, is, who are going to use your pictures, you might need to use the professional cameras and get some really high resolution pictures, which you want to sell off or, or very high resolution 4K videos, which you can sell off later on. So it all depends on what's your end aim. If it's all about the hobby and about making memories, about taking good pictures, I would say cameras, uh, the mobile Phones are very capable these days, but if you think you want to get into more of a professional stuff and you want to really aim towards probably selling your pictures, selling your videos, clips into you know some sort of uh, third-party websites or some sort of third-party ad agencies, you might you know slowly and steadily look towards probably getting into some professional gears. But I would say if you are starting and getting into travel photography. I would say definitely get start with the mobile phone and then slowly and gradually get into probably professional gears. Thank you for that, Rajiv. Uh, we are also lucky to have in the room Saurabh Chatterjee, who is a very, very good photographer too. You might have seen his photo essays. Uh, he travels all around the country. And uh, the forum also, you might have seen many of us. Uh, Saurabh, can you hear me? Yeah, welcome, Saurabh. Saurabh, uh, uh, thank you for being here. Just one uh, take, uh, quick, while you also give us a little uh, uh, background. Uh, what What is your thinking on uh, the question we just raised? Is it the mobile camera or a professional camera which uh, good photographers should be having? What is your take on that? Uh, we can't hear anything from you, Saurabh. I don't know. He, he, he seems to be off. Uh, I can see him there, but I can't. Uh, can anybody hear Saurabh? 
No, I can't. Probably he's okay. mute on his phone. Saurabh, you, oh. are you mute on your phone? No, he, he is not muted. I don't know. Anyway, let's go on. Uh, Rajiv, continue, please. Thank you. Okay. Uh, just relevant to the question uh, which uh, Kumar sir asked about uh, what kind of what kind of gears um, that uh, you should carry when you are into a photography trip. Um, generally, as we talked about the camera, any basic camera, even a phone is fine. Uh, while I recommend an interchangeable uh, lens camera, uh, so that you can play with the lenses and perspectives uh, of different, uh, you know, photography stuff. So, while you know, phone is is a is a definitely wonderful tool. You won't be able to, you know, play around too much. It will be like just. you know pick up your camera click and that's it you won't be able to play with the shutter speeds you won't be able to play with the lenses wide angle zoom there are a lot of things which uh, you know in terms of photography that you can play with it's an art and art needs a lot of you know tools to play with that something which an interchangeable lens camera can provide you so yes it's a good idea to buy that but if it's a start i would say start with whatever you have even if it's a it's a is a borrowed camera or a mobile phone just go for it uh i always recommend carrying a tripod uh, even if it's a basic tripod you should be sturdy but always carry a tripod uh, there will be a lot of opportunity for you uh, once you get into you know night photography astro photography once you get into wildlife photography and you have a heavy camera or you want a stability carry a, a tripod yeah uh, you don't have to spend a, a huge money uh uh into the tripod a basic tripod which is sturdy enough know what's the weight of your camera and then read through the specification of the tripod and make sure the tripod carries can take care of double of your weight of the camera that's what i follow uh if your camera weight is 1 kg i generally prefer a tripod which has the capacity of 3 kg or 4 kg just as a precaution is is a drone also an essential part of the kit nowadays for every photographer a drone i i think yes depends on what you shoot if you are into uh, video making definitely yes uh, the challenge with the drone is you you, you know it better kumar sir it's very is getting very very challenging to you know fly drones in everywhere in mountains up there because of the restrictions and it's getting much more difficult so reason reason i am not talking much about the drones here uh, but yes i think drones are definitely one of the most essential part of Uh, content creators get and uh, and it's good fun i i'll be honest it's a good fun it gives a very wonderful perspective of things uh, from the sky would uh, vibhav want to ask any question of rajiv please vibhav vibhav uh hello kumar sir am i audible yeah you are very much loud and clear thank you okay uh, so hi rajiv good evening uh, my very first question is that i am i am a novice traveler so so there are basically like i am i'm confused between three equipments one the mobile phone second a professional camera and third the gopro so so uh, from a photo and a video perspective uh, from a novice uh, traveler which one would you suggest rajiv okay uh, it depends on what you what's your aim as i said if it's just a matter of you know capturing some memories the phone is absolutely fantastic you don't need anything else 
Now, if you want to go beyond just capturing the memories and maybe take some some professional pictures, I would recommend a DSLR or a, or a mirrorless camera instead of GoPro. GoPro is a good, fantastic device, but it fails pathetically in the low light. As soon as the light goes down, uh, it fails. It gives you a lot of noise. It's a good, it's a good device for video capturing. But if your aim is to you know have a device which captures some wonderful pictures as well as gives you some wonderful 4K videos, which you can always probably use, sell, or 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 probably start to putting into the YouTube. I would recommend uh, a combination of phone and a small mirrorless camera. There are many options out there in the market now, which are quite compact um, and uh, you know and quite cheap as well. So I would recommend a combination of mobile phones. Uh, my my personal my personal uh, view is current mobile phones have taken over uh, GoPro completely, absolutely completely. Current mobile phones are waterproof. They give you multiple different lenses. In, in them, so your current mobile phones are absolute replacement of uh, GoPro, but still they are not the exact replacement for the interchangeable lens cameras. Uh, thanks, Rajiv. Rajiv, I have a second question as well. Now, now this one, uh, like this is this is what I feel. So I'll just share. Might be if you can give your perspective. Okay. So so when traveling, okay. So when traveling by road, we get some good vistas, some good sceneries, okay? But what happens is, say, due to your speed or say, uh, might be due to the traffic or, or whatever the reasons it could be, you cannot stop the vehicle and get out and take that photo, okay? And and what happens is, it kind of like stays in your mind and you get that guilt, oh, I missed this beautiful scenery or something that I could capture and or something that I wanted to make a memory of. So how do you kind of... Uh, plan or, or in case while going if you see something really beautiful uh, how do you kind of manage that expectation of yourself yeah it's a wonderful question and I, I can I can correlate with it quite often because this happens with everybody you are driving and at times the irony is like I drive a lot of time solo and I am driving and I can see a lovely sunset coming up but I am driving I have to stop somewhere in the middle it's a it's a question that you ask part of it we already answered one instead of just driving start walking you need to prepare yourself so what i do is i if, if i know that there is a beautiful thing coming up i generally park my car somewhere wherever i find a space and i walk okay uh, and and at times so there is it's a very difficult situation there could be a very wonderful frame which might last for few seconds so at times you have the opportunity to probably go ahead park your car walk back and take a picture or or at times you don't have that opportunity. So yeah, I, it's, it's ironical if you have the option, if I have the option of probably going ahead, park my car somewhere, and then pick up my camera and walk back. I do that a lot. I walk. I, I generally walk a lot when I'm when I'm you know out in, on on a photography trip. So that's my solution of uh, you know capturing the things when when uh, I have to literally go back walking. But again, it all depends on how if that frame is still available when you go back or not. Yes, I do sometimes lose a lot of good frames. Sometimes some animals are sitting and the sun is falling on them. But the moment you go back while walking, you lose that frame. Some people, like some some women, carrying the stuff on their head and walking, and you know there is a right kind of sun falling on them. But by the time you will go back, it'll disappear. So yes, you do lose that. Uh, unfortunately, there is nothing much you can do. Photography is all about the moments. And 
most of the time these moments last for few seconds so uh, you always have these kind of losses i think one important okay. point which coming out of what rajiv said is unless you know the route very well it becomes you do not know which is the best spot to take that photograph you know you are suppose you climbing up a mountain road you see one pista at one level and then you go further up you see a different vista and as a photographer you might be in a dilemma which is the better one to take particularly from the point of his sun sunset etc so it's always important that you do a recce by going a little ahead and then walking back that's a very interesting uh, uh, way of uh, getting the correct spot i think the saurabh can, can you hear us now or can you talk now saurabh yeah, can you hear me sir i absolutely yeah fantastic loud and clear thank you yeah okay yeah please tell me sir saurabh uh, you are a very very a fantastic photographer uh, too and so uh, your photo essays and you you specialize in making photo essays of places and events and people and culture and all that what is your take i mean there are a couple of questions which we raised uh, a yeah. uh, little while ago one is uh, uh, is it is it a professional gear uh, which is important or for uh, most amateurs i mean we are not professional photographers is a mobile camera uh, equally good Uh, well uh, i fully agree with uh, what uh, rajiv ji was saying some time back and i was totally against mobile phone photography uh, till till last year so i thought that when i have these high end gears why should i shoot with my mobile phone but uh, during the lockdown uh, i was staying in my wife's village and uh, every evening we used to go for uh, walks and uh, obviously i can't carry my dslr all the time so i kept shooting with my mobile phone however uh, i have a phone which can shoot in the raw file format so that gives me a lot of flexibility in post processing as well so uh, in fact i had written a article on on my lockdown days and it got published in a magazine and i was absolutely uh, stunned by the quality that uh, the mobile phone output um, uh, nowadays that we get so so that really changed my perspective over mobile phone photography however as uh, as rajiv ji was saying uh, that uh, if i want to do astrophotography or if i want to uh, have the flexibility of a uh, lot of different things that we get in a in a camera like uh, wide angle lenses or telephoto lenses so we definitely uh, need a, a dslr so if you are taking pictures only for your memories you can take phenomenal very nice pictures you can edit them you have some uh, great applications on your phone itself like snapseed where you can process your pictures Uh, but yeah if you want to take it to the next level if you want to be more serious if you want to sell your prints or exhibit or uh, get pub, uh, want to publish in a magazine then definitely uh, a dslr or a mirrorless camera would be highly recommended you, you just came back from a trip to uh, padum and sanskar valley yes, what are yes. the highlights did you get any 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 interesting shots uh, during this time yes, yes, last week you were in uh, sanskar right yes 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 so a lot So this was the first time I went to Gonborong zone so that new uh, route has opened and uh, opened Sinkola, up Sinkola route yeah Sinkola so that have opened up new possibilities so but I am really fearing that it will be another uh, like Chandratal base camp with so many tents so probably that will going to happen uh, maybe in the next couple of years so whoever wants to travel through that route should go there as soon as possible and uh, the kind of development I saw there on that route at one place there were uh, about 500 uh, laborers uh, widening the road so in fact all the roads that i cross uh, crossed um, 
all the way from Suru Valley till um, till the Zanskar Valley, all road as are widening and. Uh, never before in 10 years I have seen a single JCB there, but uh, this time they were all over and uh, cutting down the mountains and so much of activity is happening there. So, so there are good things and bad things as well. So, you know, uh, okay. as is concerned, Rajiv okay. and I used to keep on discussing, this Sinkola is never going to open, never going to open. For the last 8 years, we used eight to keep chatting. Yeah, 8 uh-huh. years we were chatting. Hey, yeah. yeah. Suddenly he also said, hey, almost done, now it's going to happen. And he used to keep poking around and finding. And I finally managed to go uh, around 10-15 days after it opened. Of course, okay. Deepak uh, Gupta here went up, virtually, the, he virtually opened that road in 2019. And I was around 10 days behind him. At the time, this uh, camping site you talk about was not yeah. even known. I mean, I mean it's yeah. hardly one, one year. And uh, now when I see those photographs with the big mountain and the grass and all the time, Agash, you know, because I traveled that section in the night, I didn't even see it. <laughs> now I see that section. <laughs> I now see it all like a township so things change yeah, very yeah. fast and uh, i think we must take saurabh's advice and go there quickly before uh, yes, uh, yes, yeah. uh, everything goes for a toss <laughs> thank you for that ramki would you like to say something ramki ram Deepak, your turn. Thank you, Ashwi. Hi, Rajiv. How are you? I'm doing fantastic, sir. How are you? Uh, a, a layman's question to uh, you, as you rightly sorry. said, with the onset of uh, so much of technology uh, fitted into the mobile phones, the and the ease of handling the mobile phones and the bare minimum space to keep them uh, stored. Uh, they have taken over the cameras, but uh, as you said that the, they have certain limitations. Uh, what would you advise for a biker like me who have the space crunch always uh, to, to use something between a regular camera and a DSLR? Any bridge camera would do the job? I mean, we are not into uh, selling the pictures or high resolution or something like that, but we need to capture those moments uh, which the mobile phones have the certain uh, limitations they they are unable to. So what would you advise for us? Uh, Because the DSLRs, one, they are heavy, two, they are bulky, three, they occupy most of the space in the tank bag. So, uh, would you advise a bridge camera? Okay, uh, I, I totally agree with you. And then uh, I definitely want to point out one thing, uh, Deepakji. You travel to such a wonderful places. The, the kind of material that you can generate can be part of a documentary movie. So, here is what my starter point. Yes, you definitely should carry a best device because uh, your travels are, your travel content are definitely, uh, uh, you know, a material for a documentary movie. Now, yes, DSLR definitely are bulky, okay? Uh, in fact, uh, I remember when I was doing Chadar Track, uh, the guide and the organizing company told me that they they would restrict the bag for 7 kg and I was carrying 13 kg. 
I was carrying a 7200 lens, which itself was one almost a kg, 1.5 kg. A DSLR, which was again 1.5 kg, and another lens, which was another one uh, kg. Yes, it's painful. But now, luckily and fortunately, the new age mirrorless cameras are the fantastic options in the market, which are pretty lightweight. Now, I'm not going to go in the brands. Probably we can do it offline. But generally. <clears throat> like I recently switched to uh, from the DSLRs to mirrorless, specifically because I'm going to do a lot of walks. So the way I'm going to travel now is I'm going to drive to the point where I can drive, putting the four by four or whatever I can, park my car, and then walk further another you know ten fifteen kilometers. For that, you need a, a a very light camera, and the same applies to you while you are riding. I would say so for for. Yeah. For example, my son got me a Canon P P50 in 2013. That's a 50x right. zoom camera. Uh, would you advise that for a traveler like me? Sir, your your mobile. I my my personal opinion, your mobile phone might do much better than that. Okay. So so I would recommend I would recommend to you know get into a mirrorless cameras which are nowadays very high quality can generate 4K videos for you can probably. You know, capture some nice pictures with a high-resolution RAW files for you. Which I'm just assuming a scenario, Deepak Ji, that probably you can take those during your rides and combine them together into a documentary movie. But if you if you are clicking all those you know videos and pictures from a low resolution, you might regret later on that this was an opportunity to make a documentary movie. But I don't have the good quality content. Can you name Can you name uh, one or two uh, mirrorless cameras for a novice like me? I I I recently just couple of hours back recommended somebody a Canon Canon uh, uh, you know M M M fifty or M five Mark two. It's a pretty small lightweight camera with the interchangeable lens, and you have the op and the lenses are very light. So sir, correct me correct me if I'm wrong. It's a Canon M. Five or M fifty, I guess. M fifty, M fifty, yeah. M fifty Mark two, yes. M fifty Mark two is a fantastic camera. Yeah. Sony, uh, the 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 Alpha six thousand series from Sony is an absolute fantastic lightweight. A lot of trackers, a lot of trail walkers carry that camera like a breeze. Uh, Fuji has got some fantastic mirrorless lightweight cameras, and I'm just not going by the the exact model. But I'm telling you, Fuji has got like XS10, fantastic camera. Um, and then uh, Nikon recently launched, uh, uh, I think, Z50. Again, very lightweight. Now, all I'm talking about the mirrorless cameras, lightweight. The option for the lenses are pretty light. Uh, again, the other thing you should look at is the camera from Lumix. The Lumix uh, is a fantastic, uh, you know, system, wherein. They have a very lightweight, small body, and their lenses are super lightweight, small. At at some time, they they produce pancake lenses, which are like uh, 15 mm or, or 20 mm, you know, thick lenses. So yes, there are a lot of options in the market uh, where you can actually get a beautiful quality, probably raw files in pictures and 4K 30 frame per second in videos, which you can use to. You know, produce uh, a good quality YouTube or a documentary video for future. Thank, Thank you, Rajiv, Rajiv, for that. Yeah. Okay, uh, okay, uh, I am back on. Ah, good, good, good. Ramji, please go ahead. Yeah. 
രാജീവ് നമസ്തേ ആൻഡ് പ്രണാവ് ടു ആൾ ദി സീനിയർ സീനിയർ യുനോ ഫോട്ടോഗ്രാഫേഴ്സ് ആൻഡ് ഹെച്ച് വി കെ ടു സി എർലിയർ ലൈക് യു സെറ്റ് ഐ യൂസ് ടു ഓൾസോ ലഗ് ലോട്ട് ഓഫ് ഹെവി എക്വിപ്മെന്റ് നൗ ലാസ്റ്റ് ഫൈവ് ഇയേഴ്സ് മൈ അൽഫ സോണി അൽഫ സിക്സ് തൗസൻഡ് ഇസ് ഫെന്റാസ്റ്റിക് ഇറ്റ് ടേക്സ് ഫെന്റാസ്റ്റിക് വീഡിയോസ് ആൻഡ് മോസ്റ്റ് ഓഫ് ദ ഫോട്ടോഗ്രാഫീസ് ആർ ഫൈൻ ബട്ട് മൈ സ്പെസിഫിക് ക്വസ്റ്റ്യൻ ടു രാജീവ് ആൻഡ് ദ ഫോട്ടോഗ്രാഫേഴ്സ് ആർ basically about preservation you know when you come back uh once i had a problem you know the the sensor had spots in it and they had to take it to a professional guy to get it clean then silica gel no i used to put it but that doesn't seem to work you know and the fungus comes so now i kept it in a place where there is relatively a bulb is kept and then i keep it on and uh, all my heavy cameras i sold it off at whatever price i could get and still i have that uh, bridge camera you know sony uh, i think uh, 30x one camera is there that goes fantastic 15 years and it still goes very well thank you over to the answers yeah thank you thank you uh probably i'll take it quickly and then saurabh you can add uh, uh rakesh namaskaram you live at a place i know is pretty high on uh, humidity what should be the humidity around your place probably 70% today today 70% yeah so that's the that's the enemy of uh, photography gears uh and just to add on this the camera gears are like cars they they demand servicing every now and then probably at a very regular frequency a lot of people don't understand that uh, point and then they just leave their camera uh with unserviced and at one point of time when they pick up their camera after a long time they see probably some fungal development on the lenses or the or the you know sensor okay so yes uh, high humidity places uh, you have to be very careful like at at present i am in gurgaon and i can see the humidity around 65 70% personally i keep all my gears in a dry cabinet because i i have a lot of gears so i have a huge uh, almira of dry cabinet two dry cabinets where i keep all my lenses and my gears and i can maintain the humidity uh, to a specific level whichever level i want like i keep it at 35% now if you have very few gears it doesn't make any sense to buy a dry cabinet um i also keep uh, there is a there is a device available in amazon which is kind of a silica silica gel uh, Uh, box it works but the problem is you have to keep charging up the silica you can't leave silica has a, a lifetime of uh, like probably 15 days 20 days of absorbing the humidity and even if when you are using the silica gel you have to keep that silica gel and the device in a airtight container because if you keep the silica gel open in the environment it will hydrate itself within a day and it will be useless so if you are using silica gel which is dirt cheap make sure you have a very tight air tight box you keep the silica gel and the gears in it probably that should work but check the color of the silica if it is if it is blue that means gel, like, like the kind of silica gel i use it, it changes its color as it absorbs the humidity and if it's blue it's highly humid and you have to charge it back which is very easy you can use any frying pan put the silica uh, on it in it fire it put it on the fire and then it uh, you know dries up very quickly and turns back into pink 
so that's what you can do but yes you have to take care of your gears uh, most of the photography gears are very prone to picking up fungus if the humidity level is quite high Sort of point to add on this? Yeah, so uh, uh, you you already give a very apt answer. Just to add to this, uh, before I go for any trip, I make sure that I give my camera for servicing to make sure that if there is any, um, obviously, lot of sensor dust happens because I keep changing lenses in between and the problem is even worse when I use uh, mirrorless cameras. So cleaning the gear is something very, very important, which we have to do before we go for a trip and not even the, um, uh, the camera sensor. So I also clean the memory card. So the memory card, uh, are, are again, we have the some electronic points, so which we need to, you know, rub properly so that there is proper communication between the memory card and the camera as well. And similarly for the battery as well. So uh, the battery also has this uh, uh, metal joints, which, uh, need to communicate properly with the camera so i just rub them properly clean it so that uh, there is no communication and uh, similarly with the body and the lens you have these uh, metal points so that also needs to be cleaned so so uh, essentially uh, all the camera gear before i go for a trip has to be prepared like uh, i have to prepare myself for the trip so uh, yeah that's what i wanted to add thank you Saurabh, and thank you rajiv ramki did that answer you yeah, I think uh, pretty well. Thank you, uh, Chief and the rest of you. We also have uh, Sumit Walia here. Sumit is also a very enthusiastic Himalayan motorist and uh, enthusiastic photographer. Would Sumit want to add something, Sumit Walia? I think. It's gone off to... Ah, yeah, there you are. Welcome. Ah, Welcome sir, good evening. How are you, sir? Good evening, sir. All well, Sumit. Uh, carry on, please. Uh, uh, I've been listening, sir. Uh, more or less, I agree with what uh, Rajiv sir has said uh, with respect to gears which have to be kept uh, in a dehumidifier as well as to be maintained regularly. Uh, personally, I uh, I use a Canon uh, gear. Uh, I've not gone into mirrorless or anything, and uh, I'm a very uh, heavy user of Canon gear, which again, they are having weight. So yes, weight is a consideration, especially if you go for trekking or for road trips. Uh, there's no other way to reduce the weight if you're using uh, the older DSLRs. And But I still feel that the older DSLRs are uh, uh, really worth the weight which comes. So I'm in agreement with that. Thank you, Sumit. Uman, would you like to ask a question, please? Uh, yes, Chief. Uh, good evening, everyone. Uh, so, uh, to Rajiv Bhai and to you know, all the other pro photographers, uh, uh, you know, a couple of uh, quick queries that I have. Uh, one is, how do you, like, you know, it's very difficult usually, like, whenever you go out on a long road trip, it's very difficult to decide that, you know, what gear to leave behind. So, uh, if you are not really running out of space, uh, uh, which you usually don't on a road trip, so you uh, carry all your gears along. Now, how do you usually decide, you know, let's say you are going out for a walk or uh, at a particular point of time, given that you have a GoPro with you, you have your excellent mobile phone, high-end mobile phone, which captures all the wide angle, the portraits and everything. And plus, of course, then you have your DSLR with you. How 
do you decide that which gear do you want to use at that point of time i'm sure uh, you know everyone would have different thoughts on that but uh, please enlighten us uh rajiv okay i'll probably take it up and then i'll pass on to others my personal choice is always this is my personal choice um i love to capture my content in the highest possible quality so it's pretty straight forward if you ask me the choice between the mobile gopro and a dslr or mirrorless it will be dslr or mirrorless all the time every time irrespective of the weight or 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 the size <coughs> now that's very pretty clear for for me because uh, for me the quality of the content is up up most and the most important thing uh but there are some scenarios there are some scenarios where i might pick up a phone or a gopro uh things like when you are you know traveling in mountains or or you and you are into a village with the locals your big dslr camera might scare them might put them off might literally put them in their shell so at those in those scenarios the mobile phones or gopro could be a very very important or a very very effective tool so for example like when i used to go to monasteries when you start shooting people with the dslr camera those big cameras scare them i'm talking to you looking at those big cameras so you start with the phone which i think everybody has so they won't even you know think you are really doing something very specific pick up the mobile phone and start shooting so yes very specific scenario when i would i will pick up a gopro or a, a phone but most of the time if i am not scaring people if if, if it is not really too much of a hassle for anybody the weight or the size will never be a constraint or the criteria for me i will pick up the dslr would uh, saurabh like to add something to that yeah i do the same so uh, quality is utmost for me and uh, that's why i use my dslr most of the time and when i approach any any village i want to talk to uh, take photographs of of some village people i generally just leave my camera behind for some time just talk to them build a rapport break the ice and then <clears throat> then i start taking pictures and then uh, after i take pictures i show it to them immediately so that builds a confidence that uh, what i am doing and that actually makes them very happy so the moment they see their own pictures and uh, see what i am doing what kind of pictures i am taking that really makes them very happy so uh, then then i uh, start shooting so generally i don't use my mobile phone a lot uh, for taking pictures unless uh, there is a specific reason where you know i just uh i mean if i'm biking i'm just uh, taking a very small pause and want to take a, just a documentary shot of uh, maybe some place or maybe i want to rem- remember uh, a road or something like that that's when uh, i use my mobile phone what what was your second question umank uh, right yeah chief so i have two more um, uh, if the time allows uh, but the first uh, here uh, i wanted to also understand like uh, for the time lapses so i am uh, i really love to shoot time lapses but you know usually my go to device is uh, the uh, you know my phone for that so what is your preferred device and why i mean i know that we can shoot in dslr as well but usually in dslr uh, it's the you know then we have to stitch the images and there is a lot of effort uh, involved uh, compared to the you know how we go about in the phones so what is your uh, uh, uh you know preferred device for the time lapses 
for me again uh, as i said uh, it will be a dslr uh, because uh, in case of dslr i can actually take the individual pictures in a raw format which is the highest possible format and if i need, if i have to do some post processing on top of those pictures i generally do that as well before stitching the pictures now in the newer uh, mirrorless cameras like recently i shifted to a brand where it has the option of you know clicking the raw pictures and then doing the stitching on in the camera itself right um that is something now available in most of the cameras and there are some other options uh, which are uh, which are available in the newer dslr or mirrorless camera which is called exposure smoothing which is very important in case of uh, time lapses like if you are you are doing a time lapse of a sunrise or if you are doing a time lapse of a moonrise uh, the exposure tend to increase i am pretty sure uh, in the newer age uh, mobile cameras also they should have the option of uh, exposure smoothing wherein the exposure gets adjusted based on the light but i think i i still again prefer to you know click individual pictures myself and do the stitching post in the post process so i have a very uh, controversial question to ask here a lot of photographs uh, look so unnatural because of too much of adobe uh, uh, morphing and you know things like that what is your take i mean how much of uh, the photography is really natural or are the colors and uh, shades enhanced by uh, post processing um chief there is a very thin line between doing a post processing and literally screwing up a picture in my in my post processing it's purely my reflection of you know showing the the people exactly uh, the way i looked at it see camera is a very dumb device it'll click based on the settings that you have put in it will very very rarely understand what your eyes can see so my my post processing is pretty limited to bring it to a level of what i can i can see through my eyes what i saw through my eyes but yes as i as you you are absolutely right there is always a desperation to you know enhance the picture so much so that and probably that desperation is to get more likes more views more more you know appreciation in the in the social media but yes a lot of people do jump that thin line and go on the other side wrong side of the post processing which is very difficult to you know understand comes maybe after experience Sort of Deepak wanted to add something. Uh, I have I have two questions for uh, Rajiv. Rajiv, first question is for a traveler who is traveling in a four wheeler, has the option of putting up an inverter to charge the batteries for the DSLR or the professional cameras, uh, because these cameras use the batteries too fast, and in colder regions where I generally prefer to ride. the batteries uh, dry out very fast uh, whereas uh, i am a motorcycle traveler i don't have that option so any advice for that uh yes the first and foremost the the thing which most of the you know people who get into this situation you know they do is carry enough batteries <laughs> so that's the best defense Uh, that's what i do when i travel to ladakh in winter or spiti in winter while i if i am traveling by car there is no dearth of power in the car you can put the inverter and you can carry a lot of battery banks with you 
but if you are if you are riding and or if you are tracking when you don't have the option of carrying all those bigger heavy devices i would recommend you know plan your uh, shoot and accordingly carry enough batteries i remember once uh, deepak ji i carried 11 batteries in ladakh in winter i was on a 17 days trip to winter in ladakh and i carried 17 batteries i borrowed the batteries of the same camera from friends and i carried it but i think there are some smaller uh, battery banks coming up in the industry which can also be used but again all those you know battery banks are pretty heavy so your best bet would be to carry extra batteries i have one uh, quick question on that uh, rajiv i thought one one year you went snow leopard hunting in city uh, in the winter how did you manage at that time that must have been a very long spell <laughs> in the wilderness how did you do that okay so i i uh, chief i use one of my other skill of uh, creating my own battery bank so i have another hobby uh, of creating electronic devices of my own in my lab and uh, probably i'll i'll post that in the svk forum group um, i built a battery bank out of the discarded laptop battery is a huge battery bank can charge my camera for next 15 days to 20 days without any battery so scaring it uh, most of the time because there was so I, we were in the in the village called kibber and uh, most of the time there was no electricity there was no use of a solar panel because it was mostly gloomy and dark because of the cloud but fortunately i was carrying that battery bank but my view is if you are traveling to himalayas most of the places nowadays you get electricity but that is how we managed uh, to your to your question uh, chief uh, that is how i managed that particular trip uh, i actually built a battery bank of my own Yeah, I think that that's a uh, for a desperate situation. That's a fantastic innovation uh, which you have done. And, and and see, the um, most important thing is if you really want to go interior uh, to photograph uh, in exotics, I think you need to be really away from settlements and electricity supply and all that. So, what the solution you said is valid and relevant even today. I mean, if you were to go somewhere, walking into the Pind Valley as an example, and right. you keep walking. Uh, and you go and camp out for say 3 4 days so what would you do for power so fantastic that's a uh, great thing rajiv my second my second question is how would you put this uh, product dji osmo 2 uh, for photography or for movie or uh i would say it's a very nice device personally i haven't used it uh, deepak ji sorry i might not be the expert to it but from whatever i have heard from my other friends who have used it they are quite happy with the device it's so compact uh, it's very easy to carry you don't have to bother about the shake shakiness and all that um, if you if, if it is about you know uh, and correct me if i'm wrong it's a, it's the one which is quite compact small gimbal type uh, device right yes i i recently procured one okay the, the only thing you have to worry about it is the gimbal because uh, that gimbal part is a uh, little you know i mean i mean you have to be very careful about that you don't damage that gimbal because once that gimbal is gone the camera is useless that's the key point of uh, you know yes but i would i would still recommend to look at the newer gopro devices or even some of the you know uh, the the action cameras because nowadays they have the software for the stabilization which is so smart uh, like i use gopro 9 sometime and the stabilization is so smooth that you don't need a stabilizer like what is what is there in osmo at all 
Is is a Garmin device equally good uh, like the GoPro? Uh, I have no idea. I never use Garmin devices, especially the cameras. I've used the watches, but never the cameras. Uh, they also have the uh, GoPro style uh, cameras, which I have seen in some uh, with some people, but I don't see being popular at all. I know, right, uh, I know, I know some cycling groups, uh, cycling friends who use uh, Garmin cameras uh, and always use them. They 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 vouch for it like uh, best camera for cycling and adventure stuff. Yeah, it, it is priced at a premium to GoPro. <laughs> I've seen some footages uh, of action photography. They are fantastic. Anyway, uh, Gaurav is waiting patiently. So Gaurav, uh, can you go ahead? Sure, Chief. Thank you. Hi, everyone. Hello, Rajiv. Hello, sir. Just, just a, a quick question. Out of curiosity, where did this name Yellow Peaks come from? <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> okay. Uh, it came from a point I was about to discuss in the, if time permits, was the, uh, in the, in photography, uh, there is a thing called, uh, you know, golden hours. Okay. Now, the golden hour means the best time when the peaks are yellowish, orangish, and gives you a fantastic light to capture the picture. And uh, that's when I capture a lot of my pictures when I'm in mountain, especially in the golden hours. And uh, and I, I was on a trip to Kinnor with the family. And uh, as usual, I was up by 6.30 to capture the, the sun, sunrise. And uh, I was just thinking about it. My wife was with me and then we talked. The, the peaks are so yellow, beautiful. It's a fantastic. That's a good name, Yellow Peaks. So it came from that golden hour concept of, uh, you know, the best time when you can capture the peaks. Thank you, Rajiv. Okay. In fact, the question came from Kinnor only. While I was I was traveling to Chitkul for the first time, I saw all the crows have got yellow peak. So that, okay. is, the, that is the moment I thought that Rajiv I must have picked up the name from this place only. <laughs> no, not from there for sure. Okay, okay, all right. Thanks, Rajiv. What are the golden hours for photographers? Morning, afternoon, evening. Uh, I know conventionally they say moderate light. Sir, um, sunset, sunrise, simple. Uh, that's that's one point I wanted to discuss in this group is that whenever somebody is traveling or planning a photography trip, they should plan in a way that they start after the sunrise and then reach the destination way before the sunset because that sunset and sunrise gives you a beautiful light, beautiful reflections, a wonderful play of lights and shadows, highlights and shadows. And that's what we call as a golden hour. Probably beautiful hour, but of course there is nothing called, every moment is a golden moment in photography, but yes, those specific times of sunset and sunrise is considered as golden hours because of the beautiful light that you get. Saurabh, uh, you uh, photograph a lot of uh, people, a lot of uh, uh, topical issues like festivals and cultural yes. Uh, tableaus. So what do you, how do you manage? Because you must be shooting at all uh, kinds of hours and points in the day. Yes. Yeah. So, uh, as uh, Rajiv Ji said, I fully agree with him. So, uh, morning and evening time is a time not to waste. Even if I am shooting people, I think uh, I will get the best shot during that time. And uh, if I am shooting people, if I am taking portraits of people, I would avoid people standing in harsh light. So, if it's in the middle of the day, 
I would make sure that um, I, I kind of identify my places where I will get my best shots, like the, the entrance of the door or uh, in a place which is in a shade where I don't get a lot of harsh light. So in that way, I manage because uh, you can't just sleep in the afternoon. You have to go and, and take pictures. So definitely not good for landscape photography, but uh, I can still do a lot of people uh, photography in the afternoon as well. You don't carry reflectors, do you? I once or twice I carried, but uh, I ended up never using them. So I just make the use of whatever is available and uh, and and take pictures. Thank you. Actually, I have a question. Can I? Please go ahead. Please go. Please go ahead. See, see another another uh, very interesting question, you know, which I have been thinking about us, and many people ask this question. Uh, uh, when when you are when you are shooting, you no. Know, uh there is a need to storage you know storage and uh, most of the times uh, when you take video as well as photograph you run out of storage so usually i dump it in my laptop in the evening but uh, you know what what is how do you do the storage rajiv because you must be sure shooting huge volumes uh and others that's stuff. correct that's ramkesh that's absolutely correct now it depends on how i am traveling if i am driving by car I always carry a lot of uh, you know hard disk with me. I carry uh, SSDs with me of the capacity of two terabyte or one terabyte, and every day uh, I you know dump my pictures in it. But I have a rule that I follow diligently. Despite of carrying a lot of hard disk uh, along with me, I always carry more than required memory cards. As a rule, I never delete pictures out of my memory cards or videos out of my memory cards, even if I have copied them in my SSD. So, if I know I'm I'm out on a trip for five days and I'll be needing probably ten SD cards, I would carry ten SD cards, right? Probably not not a, not really practical for everybody. So, the best best possible option is. to you know carry enough uh, sd cards or memory cards and then uh, carry a laptop and a and a bigger hard disk is the more practical option but for me the rule is that i always carry more than required memory cards and i so i keep taking a backup but i never delete or erase my data from the card thank you uh umang do you want to ask any further question or can yes, i go to the next uh, speaker just one quick question and probably of uh, one of the most important ones which i have uh, from uh, you know that I, i guess most of the travelers these days face uh, you know since uh, all those uh, you know film based cameras are out and now it's all digital so we all end up taking i think endless pictures even if it is just you know sort of one selfie uh, you will end up taking 10 15 pictures of that at one time if it's a landscape you will try and take almost like you know if it's a sunset happening you probably would end up with 50 200 pictures in one shot uh, so with you know a long road travel and then you know these bulk of pictures which is like probably in thousands then how do you all manage that data is something i always wonder because you know at times i have tried that uh, you know i uh, click uh, five or 10 pictures at a time and then you know as in when the same day i get a time i will try to filter them out and keep only the relevant ones that i would want to keep 
but that's usually uh, you know that doesn't always happen so eventually the data gets transferred in, in, into a laptop or an ssd and then just keep sitting there for years uh, so how do you manage usually that data is something which i am really really keen to know uh, umang ji uh, let's handle the bigger problem first about uh, you know taking multiple pictures of the same frame before that about your uh, point on the film cameras yes film cameras are out but every time somebody asks me that i want to get into a professional photography i want to learn photography seriously i always recommend pick up a film camera and you will learn the photography in a real way because you can't review the pictures after you click it so you will think about what do you want to click you will wait you will slow down and then and, and that's the the most important point here and i learned it from experience i i used to do the same after the end of the trip i used to have 3000 pictures and every spot used to have 20 pictures with the same composition right then i real, then i thought about the problem what exactly is the problem and the problem was i was running i was rushing from one place to another place and to then to another place and because i am rushing i was never sure if i am getting the right picture in a hurry so i used to click multiple pictures and that's where you end up into multiple pictures of the same frame and then you end up sorting those pictures finding out the best one at at times getting confused the best solution for this problem is whenever you are out in a photography trip slow down you i know it's very easy to say slow down because you have a limited days in your hand you have limited you know holidays vacations leaves but yes if you are into a photography and you are want to do a photography trip generate some really good pictures you need to slow down you need to watch the scenario sit back just don't pick up the camera if you like something just sit back watch it and then you you will immediately realize probably in another 5 second the light will move and that will be my moment that's what my mistake my mistake was i was always in a rush i was always in a run and i used to click multiple so that i will you know probably sort it out later on so that's the that's the first step to solve this problem now i understand that everybody is going through a cycle i went through it everybody is going through it now if you are into a stage where you are clicking just pressing the shutter button and clicking multiple pictures the solution is you know to carry a lot of hard disk you will end up into a lot of hard disk and go back home you will spend hours and hours and hours into sorting the pictures finding out the best one and that that's the only way out there is no other way unless you you learn that technique of slowing down watch your scenario watch the frames and you know click the picture when you when you think it's a right moment and this will come with experience and the best way to learn this trick is pick up a film camera because you know you have 36 frames in your hand and you can't review that picture once it's taken it's taken you can't delete it best way i mean anybody who starts is starting the photography don't pick up a digital camera pick up a film camera pick up only two rolls in that trip i still have my fm2 with me which i use quite a lot by the way and then uh, that's the best way yes if you still end up doing multiple shutter you know pictures of a single frame there's no other way out you end up having a bulk of pictures which you end up sorting to add to what rajiv said i also come from the film camera days i started with the kodak hotshot camera which had 24 films to a roll 
and when I went on my first Bhutan ride in 2000, 1994, I used all of two rolls on a 12-day trip, and that was considered to be that is 48 exposures. When I went on to my EOS 500 Canon, and which was a good DSLR, I still was uh, had to be stingy because you know photography is not a cheap thing in those days. Uh, film was very expensive, processing was very expensive, and even my biggest trips, I never have used more than three rolls. Every photo, every frame, you think ten times before you shoot it, and there's only one chance. You can't go on clicking and uh, looking at the effect and deciding. If you're lucky, you get a good shot. If you're unlucky, and as you and as Rajiv mentioned, your skills are going to be very important. There is no scope for review. There's only one chance, and you better get it right. So this is a very uh, now we are lucky that the digital era, you are in a position to experiment. You are in a position to uh, keep trying and trying. It, it gives us a lot more flexibility. Okay. Bhaskar has been waiting for a long time. Would Bhaskar like to say something? Sure. Hello, Kumar sir. Hello, Rajiv sir. Hi, everyone. I was on the panel. Uh, so, uh, Rajiv sir, one question, like especially for uh, IT people like me, like like when you go on any of your photography trips or photography walks, you have to walk a lot. You have to run, especially if you park your car on the side of the road. You have to run, get. Go to the spot, take a photo, and get running back to your club car. So doing all this in mountain regions require like high level of fitness. So what sort of fitness regimes would you recommend for people like me, especially before getting onto any of these trips, so that I don't get hit by EMS or uh, don't end up in the hospital? <laughs> Interesting, Professor Baskar. While you have only been with me in all a lot of uh, photography trips, and you are pretty fit, by the way, I know that. uh yes doing all those juggleries in the mountain definitely needs little bit of extra in your body but i feel i mean i'm not a regular workout person i'm doing workout now but i haven't done regular workout the only thing i've done is probably you know doing some cardio a little bit before the trip or regularly i mean it is always good so there is nothing specific that you have to do if you are going probably on a high altitude region uh, you know and doing the photography i would say a regular exercise that you do at your home or wherever you live is more than sufficient it's just that you need to put that in your regular workout regime i don't see anything specific is needed you don't need a treadmill you don't need really a, to go to gym to get fit into it a regular fitness is more than sufficient to allow you to run around a bit in the mountains to take the right kind of a picture is what my view Sarab, you want to say something? You do travel a lot. You walk a lot. Yeah. So uh, I am also not a very fitness freak, but uh, if I am going for hiking in the Himalayas, then uh, I definitely climb stairs. So I just make sure I, I, I every day I climb about fifty uh, uh, floors just to make myself little fit. Otherwise, I am not uh, generally a very. But uh, it's always good to uh, make the body prepared because uh, especially while hiking. if you are uh, not fit then it will be more of a pain than a pleasure but uh, if you are physically fit you, you know you can really uh, walk a lot and you can enjoy the views without any uh, physical strain to your body so uh, it is uh, of utmost importance that you need to prepare your body uh gentlemen we have been uh, listening last uh, 
seven to five minutes to some very interesting conversations. Uh, and it, uh, we are uh, we are just another fifteen twenty minutes left. So anybody wants to ask any further questions, there's a time for you to come forward. I have million One minute. If anybody else, yeah. will you yeah. also wants to come in, please come in. Yes, Ramji, please go. Sure. See, this is the most often asked question in many of many of the people. When the camera has an automatic setting, you know, which is of a millions of millions of permutation combination, and the camera can take a take a intelligent picture, right? Do you do you why do you have to go to all those manual settings? Because the automatic is a brilliant setting. I know that the jury is out, and there is a lot of discussion in this. What is your take on this, Rajiv? Okay, very interesting question, uh, Rakhi sir. Yeah, I totally agree with you. Uh, when you are into an automatic mode, camera, camera is a very. As I said earlier, I might you know disappoint and make a lot of camera manufacturing companies angry, but I call it as a dumb device, right? It just look at it from one perspective: how much is the light, and how much I need to compensate for that light. Simple, right? Probably you might end up getting the picture. Right in most of the scenarios. Now, consider a case where you want to take a picture of Milky Way, right? Now, you put the camera in an automatic mode. Camera sees dark, absolute dark. Camera will try to probably increase the exposure by mean of adjusting the the ISO and whatever it is. But camera will never understand that you need to take an exposure of 30 seconds to capture the Milky Way, right? So. That's where the the difference comes in. That's where your skills comes in. Take another scenario. So that's one scenario where you want to capture a Milky Way, and Milky Way, you know, you can capture probably by you know opening the shutter for 30 seconds. But camera will never understand that you want to capture the Milky Way by opening the 30 seconds. It might just try to you know give you a little light, and probably just stop there. Another scenario where I would uh, like to uh, you know explain this further is like you you are capturing a Uh, a waterfall okay now and you want to make it look smooth uh, you might have seen in a lot of pictures where the waterfall looks pretty smooth the the waterfall the famous iceland waterfall is you know there everywhere in google where the waterfall is smooth now the photography is all about art it's all about playing with the light and the uh, and the elements around it now if you want a smooth shutter speed the smooth waterfall camera will never know that It's only you who knows that. So camera will just, you know, adjust the ISO shutter aperture based on its its dumb understanding and will give you a beautiful picture which you might like, but that will not be artistic. Now, I want to capture that smooth, you know, waterfall. Then I have to increase the shutter speed. Then I have to get into the manual mode. The manual mode is your, you know, black canvas. You know, is a is a is a blank canvas wherein you want to play with a lot of things. Uh, Here is another scenario, very fantastic scenario. I love this kind of a scenario. Is you want to capture a person standing in a in a in a crowd, and while the whole crowd is moving around it, right? Now the the guy is still, and you want to show the motion and of the people, but the the stillness of the person. If you click it in a manual mode, the camera, as I said, is a dumb device. Will understand that you want to click a picture and just capture everything perfectly fine. Right, so you'll see that picture. But if you want to click a picture wherein you see the blur motion of the people moving, 
and a very very you know nice and sharp person sitting still you still have to you know open the shutter further so you have to slow down the shutter and then let the manual stuff hand over uh, take over the the action so these are some of the scenarios where you can play more and actually show a lot of motion stuff a lot of different stuff which a dumb you know dumb setting of automatic might not understand what you want to you show and sarab you want to add something on this yeah so uh so one one thing is about a about a photographer is our own interpretation so i see something but i visualize that this is how i want to capture and manual mode helps me to uh, get close to how i visualize okay so so the raw material or the, the scene that you see with your eyes might be the same but uh, we all uh, interpret in in different ways and one way of doing it is uh, through the power of our um, the different settings the flexibility that we get and the other is by post processing so maybe i saw the scene like this but maybe i want uh, you know to to accentuate some more areas and and darken some other area so so to to just show the picture the way i i visualized uh, in, in that situation uh, also uh, it, it, the difference is just see uh, so my mom i i have some favorite dishes that my mom makes and if i ask my my maid who comes every day do the same thing there will be a difference in the taste okay so this uh, very easily explains why even using the same ingredients the results might be entirely different thank you that is very enlightening thank you those were very good tips and uh, uh, the individuality of each one of the artists is coming through very strongly we also our co-host jyoti vale is also very gifted photographer i particularly love the way he photographs faces of people is jyoti would you like to add something unless jyoti is gone somewhere i can see him there but jyoti well no i i can't see get him vibo could you like to say something uh hi rajiv uh, saurabh in fact if you can guide me so uh shooting plains rivers lakes or or even the sceneries are are much easier but when it comes to shooting valleys or shooting mountains uh it, it is like a bit difficult task uh, like this is my perspective if if you could guide how actually should one shoot a mountain or or like a valley like which shows the real depth of it so how how would you uh, choose those settings or like what is the strategy used to shoot this uh, sarav maybe you can pick this up then i'll add okay so uh, uh the first time i went to ladakh you, you know or when i started uh, doing landscape photography i just came back and i was very very disappointed with my pictures so one thing i learned that it is impossible to capture what are i see the amount of joy that you you get when you are actually in that place it is impossible to capture so uh, that is one thing you, you i always uh, i have made peace with that uh, it is it will it might be just 5 to 10% of what i actually see so this is one thing the second thing is that uh, when i am composing i have to pay a lot of attention to to composition so uh, if you go to any mountain or uh, beautiful places anywhere you look it looks very very beautiful but to make a great picture you need to have there are some different elements of composition that you need to add also the timing when you are taking a picture so i want to have a very good play of light and shadows or if possible i would add some human element to the picture so uh, that also gives a sense of scale to the picture so uh, things like uh, um, the, the 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 
leading lines or the rule of thirds or uh, you know a very good play of light and shadows and balancing elements so these are some basic compositional elements that if you add to a picture uh, they will definitely make uh, the picture look much more engaging and these rules are not invented by photographers this have been followed by painters of the renaissance age and we have actually uh, stolen these rules from the painters and they they work most of the time so you can
the the most important thing that i follow is keep the camera ready always i i see when i go with a group of photographers i always see them getting relaxed after taking a picture and then they they see a scene and then they lose that scene because they are they are searching for their camera so when you are on a photography trip the camera is part of the body it in my scenario it remains in with me till the time i am i am asleep on the bed it always remains with me all the scenarios everywhere even if i am eating i have the camera with me all the time so yeah that's one one of the most important tips i follow all the time we talked about the golden hours plan your drives so that you leave after sunrise and reach before sunset those are the best time to capture the the mountains of course for the portraits i'd sort of uh, i suggested you can always take portraits all day but you have to you know frame it in a way that you don't get the harsh light the third point which i already talked about is slow down that's the most important thing i keep telling a lot of people who come for mountains for photography your your trip plan has to be different from a regular plan let's assume somebody is doing a ladakh trip in 5 days or 6 days hypothetically speaking if you are in a photography trip you have to double it up i am i am not exaggerating but i am honest to say that if you want to take some good pictures some sensible or uh, really good pictures develop your your days in the trip and take the less amount of destination kumar sir can you mute yourself okay yeah yeah um so yeah slow down that's the that's the formula which i follow i i just slow down i have done probably uh, 15 trips to ladakh and i still haven't covered uh, probably i've covered uh, 20% of ladakh and still 80% left because i always pick up one area and i just go there stay there with the people that's my tip number 3 my tip number 4 is if you are into portrait photography if you want to click pictures take video of the pictures just don't point the camera right away you know get friendly with the people sort of already you know talked about it just get friendly with the people spend time with them help them out with their work if they are working in the farm probably just keep the camera aside and start working with them they get friendly and then when you point the camera towards them probably you will get a very nice candid pictures uh, without really they getting scared out of it my point number 4 my, my tip number 5 is again a lot of people do mistakes about just clicking the random pictures when they are in a trip and i did the same i mean i i i am saying the same from my experience i did the same i planned a trip to probably kashmir i went there i started clicking randomly and slowly and steadily i started uh, realizing that there is no connect between the pictures if i want to tell the story to somebody that i went to a gurez valley there was no story there were just couple of pictures to show off in the facebook or instagram but there was no story around it slowly i have learned that let's say if i am making a you know trip to yusmar uh, gordutpatri i start looking for a story probably i start looking at i will capture the lifestyle of the people food of the people along with the random pictures i think it's a good idea that you do some research make a story in your mind or, or write it down and uh, and click some pictures around that story it will be a very interesting you know stuff uh, with you once you are back in your trip that's my point uh, So I see if I'm just quickly running through it, and then probably I'll open it for the questions. You know, I have one uh, question. Uh, in the, Tell me. Uh, we are all uh, uh, fond of our cars and bikes. What is yes. the specific uh, thing you look for when you're photographing 
the car or the bike as a subject. I know you have some wonderful photographs of your vehicles with headlights on in uh, extreme terrain. So, what, 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 how would you go about uh, something like? I think uh, my my combination of uh, uh, you know spice will be a good location. Any car, I don't care about the car. A good location, a good background, a good uh, front. Um, what I do most of the time when I'm taking the automobile shot is I go down, I go low. I I see a lot of people who are taking pictures of their vehicles and they love to take their picture. Is that they the camera is shooting downwards. My my view is the camera should be straight or upwards. That gives you a beautiful picture. So if you see a lot of my pictures where I have a star, sun flame, sun flare. along with the cars i i like i love to shoot that with my cars in winter i always either sit down or probably lie down and take the picture from a very low angle and i love to take uh, probably that's a tip i can share is that that probably gives a very nice perspective of a vehicle as well as the background thank you rachit jyotivel would you like to come in and uh, give us some of your uh, tips on how you take portraits I think Jyoti is not audible. Akshay, uh, you have the last question of the day. Yeah, yeah. Th- thank you, Chief. Hi, Rajiv. So my question yes, is regarding, as we all know, uh, the Ladakh Spiti is too beautiful. Uh, it's no, ma- uh, doesn't matter when you are visiting in a year. But can you uh, tell me, as a biker, what is the best uh, season or best time? to visit uh, spd and uh, ladakh both as a photographic perspective so for example if you are in a win- winter in spd so maybe uh, there is so many clouds uh, in night so you may be not able to capture uh, stars and all uh, and uh, in a ladakh uh, in uh, also the winter uh, comes in the picture cloud so as you mentioned uh, the golden hearts so maybe uh, that time we are not able to see uh, these lights and all due to uh, cloudy weather uh, maybe due to snow so uh, i think you got my point so what's the right time as a biker because we need to capture uh, in a bike uh, the multiple batteries multiple hard disk uh, the laptop also with us uh, so it's little uh, if we have a gopro in a 4 4k uh, setting so it's consuming all these things and uh, then caring so yeah i i got your question akshay ji i think in terms of the battery or memory constraint that's valid for any time of the year now coming back to what's the best time for the photography in all these places my personal view is every month is beautiful if in terms of photography winters are beautiful because you get to see you know a lot of uh, snow covered uh, you know vistas most importantly you get beautiful portraits and you get a lot of time with people because most of the time people are free in these places in winter then probably summer is very nice and green fall is uh, absolutely beautiful orange colors so in terms of photography i would say every month of the year is absolutely fantastic i can't even pick one single month and say this is the best month in either kashmir uttarakhand ladakh or all these places every month is you you if you you know sit as i said if you slow down sit back and just look at the things you will get absolutely fantastic content in every month 
yes there is always a constraint in terms of resources like as you said in terms of you know power supply in winter those are regular constraints right might be true for even a rider or a or somebody who is driving on a four wheel drive um now if you ask me that the combination is exactly has to be a ride then probably uh, i would pick uh, either uh, peak seasons june or july when it's quite green or i will pick the september or october time frame when the color gets absolutely orange and it, the roads are still rideable winter might not be as rideable as comfortably rideable in places like kashmir spiti or ladakh as it is in the month between uh, you know april or between april and september and and chief would be the best person to answer this part as well yes yes even i have spent a uh, the speedy trip uh, chandata lake with chief also uh, he knows uh, uh, what happened with my bike and all these things yeah we we, we met in uh, chandrata in uh, october of 2018 akshay was uh, there in his ari uh, and it didn't start yes obviously i mean as for the seasons are concerned if that is the cue which rajiv gave uh i mean each of us looks at from a different perspective i don't do too much of photography so i don't really care for uh the seasons as such uh, i more look at motorability and uh, uniqueness of that season you know like i have also been in kashmir in deep winter december and all that and seen some fantastic winter colors the same place a real traveler a real photographer should be visiting the same place multiple times multiple seasons for each of these beautiful places is completely different you see a completely radically different uh, place uh, when you go in spring summer rains uh, autumn and winter and i especially in the case of the himalayas which see so much of change vegetation changes the colors change the people look different and so i i don't think there is any um, bias towards which season one should go uh, if you are looking at from the photography point of view and i would suggest each person like you can see people like rajiv are humble enough to say he has seen only 20% of ladakh although i know he has been going to ladakh virtually every year so which which is it's a great admission that there is still a lot of ground to be covered if either as a traveler or as a photographer so it can't be uh, a straightforward answer that i have seen this i can i, I for example saurav keeps going on photography expeditions to ladakh spiti northeast and so many other places every year and uh, it's not just a professional engagement it's also a desire to see new places uh, see the same place in a different perspective so i think i think the answer is not very easy each person sees it from a different perspective even i am asked very uh, many people ask me kya karta hai ki bar bar kyun udhar jata hai to be no real answer to these questions unless you are part of the same uh, lunatic community of travelers you can't answer such a question at all so you just keep going because you like to go there and the place is so so much of a magnet uh just uh, uh, saurabh have any closing comments please yeah so to answer this question see uh, if you are going by bike you have to uh, think about the the accessibility so what is the time when uh, things are much easier uh, however uh, as sir said that um, you see if i have been to ladakh many times in summer but uh, this this year uh, it was my first time in winter 
and uh, it was like I, I have never seen Ladakh at all. So it it was so different, and everywhere it was uh, snow and the the lakes were frozen. So it was a totally different experience. So so th- there is um, if I have already seen uh, um, the summer, I should see the winter, or I should see how it looks in other season as well. So and this applies to any any place, uh, whether Ladakh or Spiti. Spiti, I love in winters as well, and uh, also. Um, late september or early october where you get to see the fall color so every season has its own flavor so um, you must uh, see that as well once you have seen something then uh, it, it looks very boring and then you have to uh, see a different facet of it if you go in a different season right right and uh, did that answer your question actually yeah yes yes completely got your uh, answer from rajiv saurav and you sir so the did last question a- regarding Again, the photography to Rajiv. Rajiv, uh, just question is regarding light tracing photography. So, uh, if you are in a vehicle or if you want to capture, so any uh, you can say uh, idea or any uh, suggestion to capture a light tracing in uh, such scenarios or in uh, what we say in landscape photography. Uh, actually, ji, as I understand, you're talking about you know uh, light trails. Of probably the light of the vehicle, right? Yes, 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 yes. Okay. Uh, if like if you are want to capture as a landscape kind of photography, not one vehicle right. or two vehicle, or say have a mountains and the multiple roads and the vehicles are going. Right, right, right. Understood. Understood your question. So you want to basically take a long exposure, and the roads are getting lit by the red red light or white light, and becomes a, a trail of light going through the the roads. Okay. I understood your question. I think it's a very easy thing to do. Very simple scenario. You need to first get into the position at the right time. Uh, the best time definitely is late evening when it's dark and you can take long exposure. Because to get a trail of light, you need to you know take a long exposure of probably 15 second or 20 second, and that that's possible probably late evening or even when it's darkest. I I love to do it. Uh, it it probably seven o'clock when the sun is almost set, and if you are taking a wide angle shot at let's say fifteen second exposure, you get a beautiful light trail of the vehicles going on the road. Along with that, on the horizon you might get some lovely orange light of the setting sun. So that's what my setting is when I'm going to take the right uh, when I plan to take the light trails of the vehicles. Is probably get you get yourself into a place which is. high enough if you are taking a very wide angle shot or if you are just taking a very tight shot probably any places if just you know setting your camera across the road is also good enough and take a long exposure of 15 second uh, and probably right timing that's the that's the best recipe for taking the right trails thank you rajiv Abhijit, uh, just come in, and uh, I think Abhijit, yeah, one question, very quick. Yeah, one question, almost. Here. Yeah, uh, for for night photography, like uh, taking a Milky Way shots, uh, like uh, for that we need a clear sky um, as well as the less uh, uh, light pollution, right? So Ladakh is definitely uh, one of the destination. Uh, any other destination um, uh, where we can get this? Uh, last time I've uh, been to Ranoff Gorge, of course, with Chief, but that time I was not carrying my. Uh, A tripod, so I couldn't take. So any other? Uh, I'll I'll add place. to what Abhijit asked. You know, very often I get requests from people that they want to stay back in Pangong Lake for the night, for the night photography. I tell them that 
you can get nice photography of the stars and mountains anywhere in Ladakh because most of the places are low ambient light situations. You don't have to go to Hanle or Pangong. You can even sit in Tangse or probably go to uh, some place anywhere in the highway and get night photography. What do you think of that? Uh, you're absolutely right, Chief. I think uh, anywhere above, uh, above uh, you know, 2500 meters gives you quite a nice clear sky. It's just that, uh, Abhiji, you have already answered your, half of your question, probably full of your question is that besides Ladakh, Spiti, Kashmir, or probably the, the Kinnor region of uh, Kinnor level, basically anything above 3000 meter is fantastic for the, for the Milky Way, but not just that. As you said, run of cut, I, I haven't clicked any Milky Way photographs in the run of cut. That's my dream. Uh, probably I'll be pulling uh, Chief's leg to, you know, take a trip to Ranakkach and I'll go there along with him. But yes, uh, I think sand dune, uh, the, the sand dune area of Rajasthan is one of the beautiful places and probably might give you a very different perspective. So you should try that. I would love to try that. Kumar sir, you plan a Make a plan and probably we can, you know, do that. But, but yeah, but you know, it's it very surprising, you know. I, I, I rarely see any night sky photographs from Rajasthan or Kachi. Is it because... Uh, uh, haze or the thermal haze or the dust uh, is more in those areas? Probably chances of getting it is quite uh, quite low because of, the, as you said, haze and dust and if the wind is quite high, the sand makes it a layer of, uh, you know, wrap around it. So, so chances of getting a clear sky is very less. And the time slot is, you know, the, the time window in a year is quite, you know, low. Uh, probably the winter is the best. Yeah, to go there. we've been there in December only. Um, yeah, right, and very short window. Yeah, very short window. In, while while in, while you are in Himalayas, probably you get a very long window. All year you can actually click it, uh, except on a full moon or half moon time. All year you can get some lovely, you know, Milky Way. This, uh, except that when the Milky Way angle is not correct, but then Himalaya is where you can click it all all year. Yeah. Let's go, Rajiv, in winter. Uh, I have some very yeah. nice places in uh, in Rajasthan and Kutch, uh, which we can go and explore. 100%. I am 100% in Kumar, sir. You plan, I will just follow you. Absolutely. Sir, I also okay. want to join you. Yeah, even I want to You opened the wrong box, uh, <laughs> I am already waiting for you. Uh, anyway, Shalom, I think uh, the conversation has been very enthralling. It's been... We have run extra time, not uh, 15 minutes, but 30 minutes. Uh, this is a subject, and these are experts who can talk forever. And there are so many things which you can learn and uh, be guided. And as you know, both of them are not just photographers, but see photography from a motorist point of view. They've all been traveling to the worst and most challenging of places. They're not wedding photographers or uh, street photographers, or they don't... Uh, go to Afghanistan and uh, shoot uh, soldiers fighting. They shoot subjects which you and I can relate to and which you and I can do it ourselves, which is the most inspiring thing. Each of the subjects uh, our experts have done, are they were also people like us once upon a time. As you saw, they have honed their skills with experience. There is no finishing school to learn all these things. Each one of these things they have learned the hard way. They have also gone through so many phases of photography, whether it's a film era or whether it's a digital era, whether it's a mobile era. So there's so many things and uh, 
what is most heartening for me today, uh, the the ace photographers here have also kind of affirmed that uh, photography is not so complex anymore. In the sense, once upon a time we used to agonize over what gear to buy, what lenses to buy, and it used to be a virtual, uh, you know, it's like armory of things which you had to carry. Now. For most of us, I can say 95% of us, we do, we can get good photography with our own mobile phones. It's so little. I mean, I don't think most of us uh, would want anything beyond that. Uh, I think uh, almost all of us are the memory photographers. We want to have a photograph of places we visited and some good memories. We are not necessarily making calendars or, uh, you know, uh, writing articles or getting into the finer aspects of photography. But most of us are happy with getting a good photograph, and which we can probably share in social media and where we can remember uh, for years to come. So I think this is the best part of this conversation. I think we got so much of inspiration from our learned speakers and also the uh, wonderful questions uh, which the listeners asked. And uh, with this, if there is nothing more, I would like to say... Uh, good night for now unless any one of you wants to have a last word okay so here we go thank you again all of you we, we will have uh, the next week's program will be announced by Monday and as you know we meet three times a week every night uh, we are looking forward to seeing you all again uh, when we meet again and uh, Lastly, but not the least, once again, thank you, Rajiv, for this great uh, uh, evening. And uh, Saurabh, it's also good that you could join in. I could not contact Saurabh earlier because he was away on his tour. So it's wonderful that he was able to catch up with us. And uh, that's it from me. Good night. Uh, we meet again. And uh, we hope to have more sessions. Okay, good night all. Thank you. Thank you so much, sir. Thank you all. Thank you. Thank you.